And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a Merry Christmas. Hopefully, you spent a ton of time with family uh, this week. Hopefully, you guys had a good one. Uh, We are here, the last episode of 2021, our annual Year in Review award show, my favorite episode of the year. If you guys are new to the show, uh, I I think you're in for a real treat. (laughs) It's a good time uh, to look back at all the craziness of the last year and hand out some awards. Uh, my brother Ian Hayworth from Daily Wire is here. Uh, he was actually on the show more than anybody else this year, so I figured no one better to uh, break down the events of 2021 than Ian. Uh, it was good. A lot of great answers to our to all of the categories where we handed out awards. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Ian, guys, if you haven't already, please uh, follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you are on iTunes, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. Really appreciate it. And if you like the podcast and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Ian Hayworth. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Ian Hayworth. Ian, how you been, man? Good. Merry Christmas and almost Happy New Year. We're only a quarter of the way through the madness that is the Biden administration. So this doesn't count as the home stretch, but the home stretch is in the distance somewhere. Dude, I, I forget who was on my show. It was like a few months ago when uh, I, I forget. I remember it was a female guest, but she was like, man, and imagine, you know, Biden's only been president for a year and a half. And I was like, <laughs> It was when he'd been president for like six months. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it took me like a couple of minutes to realize. I was like, wait a minute. No, that was all this year. <laughs> that was yep. all this year. Man, a lot of evil stuff jam-packed into one year. And But we've made it the last year. For anybody who, who is new to the show, the last episode of every calendar year uh, we do. It's, it's my favorite episode of the year. We do a year-in-review award show episode where we give out awards. Uh both to, <laughs> in the positive and negative to uh, elected <laughs> officials and, 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 and other people uh, and just reflect on everything that we've seen over the last year. And I looked it up. Uh, Ian, you've been on the show more than anybody else in the last year. So who better to uh, talk us through all of it? <laughs> than... I know it's an honor. It's, it's truly an honor. I mean, your show is always fun. This is my favorite episode, too, because it's just it's it's the only way to deal with the depression that is the year that has passed under Biden. So. If yeah, we and, if we're gonna go hand in hand into our doom, we might as well do it with a smile on our face. Right, right. And you and I did we when we were coming up with topics because the uh, you know the awards they change every year based on whatever I want because it's my show. But um, like we we did make a concerted effort for some of these categories to be somewhat positive. So we, we do. It was like, it was hard, but we did it. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's not all depressing. But I want to start off the show. Um, and uh, with with our mistake of the year, and this is uh and this is us outing ourselves with the worst prediction or the worst take that we've had either on this podcast or in an article or, or elsewhere uh, over the last year. I'll start us off. Um, All right. 
my mistake of the year, I'm I'm just the worst. I'm the absolute worst at predicting the outcome of elections. Like, I cannot do it. I don't think I've ever gotten one right. I mean, like, I thought Hillary would win in 2016. <laughs> I thought Trump would win walking away in 2020. Like, I'm always wrong. But I got <laughs> this fall. I know it wasn't a big election year, but I just whiffed. <laughs> like, it was like, first of all, I bought into the hype that the California recall election would at least be close. Like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know why I thought that. But for some reason, I was like, I don't know. Like, Larry Elder's a smart guy. Like, he might, you know, Californians have to be pissed off with Gavin Newsom. He's like, yeah, I mean, he's like the le- least likable politician in the world. Um, but so I, for some I didn't think the Democrats would lose, but I thought that, you know, it at least put the fear of the Lord in them. You know what I mean? I thought that mm-hmm. it would be close. <laughs> and they won, like, the, the recall went down by like 60 points or something. Like it was, I don't even remember the numbers. It wasn't even close. And then after that, I got super pessimistic. And I was like, yeah, Glenn Youngkin has n- no chance <laughs> to win in Virginia. You know, he's a good candidate. You might make it close, but there's no way Republican wins in Virginia. So just back to back, just whiffs by your boy on the <laughs> podcast. So that was that was my mistake <laughs> of the year. Well, if you're a betting person, just listen to what Brady says. Just Anything political. Yeah. Put all your money on the opposite. You'll be a very rich person. Absolutely. Well, my mis- my mistake of the year was very short-lived, unfortunately, which was the view that Biden was going to be in any way moderate. Like, I still thought he was going to be bad. I thought he was going to be a disaster on the, uh, the foreign policy front. But I thought at least him coming in was going to put a stopgap in the way of people like Bernie Sanders and AOC and all the crazy radicals. I did not think that in the first few weeks he was going to let them basically steer the ship while he was gorging on the pudding downstairs. I, it was I like the first couple days. It was like the uh, it was like more executive orders in the first day than like he had quadrupled any other president in history. Like it was like immediate. Yeah, his, his crayon was busy that day. Oh yeah. So I think that's I, I couldn't believe how quick it happened and how completely feckless the moderate wing of the Democratic Party was. I, I thought they understood that they were really fighting for their lives in terms of control of the Democratic Party and the way for no reason at all, he just gave in to the radicals when they they lost, they, like they lost the primary. That was the battle for the Democratic Party. And he handed it back to them anyway. I did not see that happening. And I think that's why this year has been so batshit crazy is because he just left the door open for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I guess I didn't, I did not predict that the way you did. I kind of saw this coming a little bit, but I mean, with the speed in which he broke every campaign promise and went hard Bernie Sanders. I mean, like, you know, to the left of Bernie Sanders. I mean, it happened so fast that, I mean, I guess it caught just about everybody off guard. That's definitely a good one. Um, Let's do, uh, next let's do, I'm jumping around here, but uh, let's do stock up and stock down. And this is like specifically for, uh, it's not for like an event or a movement or anything. It is specifically for elected officials. Um, Let's start with stock up. Who is your uh, person or people who are on the rise after the year of our Lord 2021? I think it has to be DeSantis. I think his stock was already very high. I know that's kind of the generic answer from anyone who's not pro-Trump. I think his stock continues to rise simply because he has been consistently a voice of of reason for a state that best mimics the country as a whole. Um, I just wish the rest of the conservative movement would just accept that rally around at least not if not him but kind of what he represents as a conservative and then i think the next few years will be so politically easy so i think his stock is on the way up he's he's basically shoved away any real criticism he can face because everything the left threw at him during covid 
made them look like absolute idiots because now Biden, a year and a half later, is just mimicking what he was saying in the early days. So I think it's hard to argue that anyone else is not the front runner in, on the right right now. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. And um, I, I, I have a handful of people and it's it's just the, the good guys who have remained consistent on COVID mm-hmm. from day one. And like COVID is, I mean, like this COVID tyranny is the most evil thing that's happened to this country in generations. I mean, legitimately. And like, so the people that have not been consistent on the right, whether it be conservatives or libertarians, like if you like you're kind of dead to me <laughs> if, you, mm-hmm. if you wavered on this, like this is too big. This is too important um, to be wrong on this topic. So, I mean, there, there's not many if you're in terms of elected officials, there's not been many of them that called BS right away, said, no, we're not going to become commies right away from day one. And like the list I can come up with in the Senate, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, in the House, Thomas Massey, and in terms of governors, Ron DeSantis and Christy Noem. Um, that's only, there's only five. <laughs> that's a short list. But the five of those people never bought into this authoritarian nonsense from the beginning. They stood their ground. They stood up for the Constitution. Um, and honestly, in my mind, anybody who's, who's currently, if you're looking at the current stock of right-wing elected officials, just about everybody else is disqualified as a presidential candidate in my mind because this is the <clears> issue. So, and I'm sure there's more. I'm sure uh, you know I'm leaving people out, but Paul Lee, Massey, DeSantis, Nome, I see you. <laughs> I see. I see you. Oh guys. yeah. You know you definitely. Uh, they they definitely put their money where their mouth is. So, uh, who do you got with their stock on the way down? So this is a tied position for me. So this is half Fauci and half Trump. So starting with Fauci, I know he's not really elected official, but he's been handed the power by both Trump and Biden of basically being an elected official. And I think people have finally on in the mainstream woken up to just what a hack, lying, borderline murderer he is with the policies he's pushed through with no real regard for the truth or anything beyond his own pseudo level of fame. So I think he's a disgusting human being. It just came out today that he's going to have the record-breaking retirement package in history when he eventually retires. He's made millions of dollars off the back of the federal government, and he's been an absolute appalling failure. So I think he's someone who hopefully people will realize is at least starting to waver and is on his way down, given that he's said every single position under the sun on COVID. And then I think I have to mention Trump just because I think a lot of this stuff that's happened in 2021 could have been an opportunity for him to have rallied to have made some very clear changes if he does want to run in 2024. And I just didn't see that. Like the way, I think we talked about this last time on your podcast, the weakness he showed when he talked about not firing Fauci, being scared of the left. I think his stock is on the way down, not only because of 2020 and losing then, but I think the way he continued to really highlight his flaws this year. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with both of those. And, and by the way, so everybody at home knows, me and Ian did not, talk about our answers ahead of time so <laughs> we uh i also have i have two people as well uh, one of them is donald j trump uh i you gotta say it i know you guys get mad whatever send me hate mail i don't care <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I, I think this year a lot of people have realized that the gop needs somebody better moving forward and you can you can believe that while appreciating all the good things that donald trump did and there's a lot of them like i said mm-hmm. and i sound like a broken record i bo- voted for the guy twice don't regret it you know, like he, he did some great things in office, but he had a moment in my mind. That moment is over. He and there's a lot of things that he, you know, obviously Fauci's first and foremost. But like 
he never cared about spending. <laughs> and look where we are now. Like, yep. I, I get it. The Democrats and Joe Biden, they spent more in a year than Trump ever did. Um, and, and they're taking a buzzsaw to the economy right now. And the inflationary stuff we're seeing is more the fault of Democrats than than Trump, obviously. But Trump did start this process. He got the first couple COVID bit spending bills passed. He never did anything about entitlements. He never did, you know, he never did anything to balance the budget or anything like that. And we're paying for it. Trump mm-hmm. absolutely contributed to the price of food doubling, <laughs> you know, in the last couple of years. So, like, mostly that most of that's on Biden, but some of it is on Trump. And like you said, he didn't have the balls to fire Anthony Fauci. That was a disgrace. Think of all the lives that could have been saved. You know, the livelihoods that could have been saved if yep. Trump had the courage to do the right thing. And I, you know, I, I think somebody like DeSantis, somebody like Rand Paul, they, those guys would have had the balls to do the right thing. Trump, pro- like, that's the thing, man. When you're looking at like presidential candidates, it's all like trying to project forward and look, look at like what they're actually going to do in office. I mean, we've mm-hmm. never had an opportunity like this before, where a former president might run for president again. We know exactly. <laughs> There's no mystery. <laughs> like, what are we? Like, we we saw how Trump is going to govern. We saw it for four years. So the book's already out on him. He didn't do the right thing during COVID. And that kind of, I'm sorry, man, that kind of disqualifies him in my mind. And then I I wanted to uh, give a Democrat too, just because I think it's interesting. Elizabeth Warren. Oh yeah. Good one. (laughs) She's just gone. (laughs) She she was like this media darling for some reason. Uh, I mean, the Democrats and the press loved her and she's just gone. I mean, she's like, I don't even know if she's giving interviews anymore. Like, she was like one of the talking heads that the Democrats would put up to to give all the lefty talking points on CNN. And she's just totally gone. She's completely faded away. And, you know, her presidential campaign went nowhere. And then that was kind of it. I mean, it, like, it really looked like she was going to be like one of the faces of the Democratic Party moving forward, going back to like, you know, 2015, 2016. And she's just gone, man. Like, I don't think anybody takes her seriously anymore. Is yes, another Native American who's fallen by the wayside of the American war machine. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's just, I mean, remember the press, just how the press treated oh, her yeah. for years, man. They loved this woman. And she's just, I mean, it's like the, the go to people for like MSNBC and CNN to do interviews are like AOC and mm-hmm. Ilhan Omar and stuff. And they've totally left like the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warrens of the world behind, which is fascinating it's funny it's like they just realized that she kind of sucks there was the fake indian thing and they're like well i guess we can move on like you know, it's just interesting she's also she's also just picking battles which i don't think are that important in terms of the culture so right now elizabeth warren's big thing is having a really bizarre feud with elon musk <laughs> yeah. uh, who i'm sure we'll talk about a little later but who's actually doing things with his time and his money and all elizabeth warren is doing is sitting there making awkward Instagram videos, asking her husband if he wants a beer in his own house, and then <laughs> and then yelling at Elon Musk about having more money than her. And I think people are over that. You've got people like AOC who are far better in the ad hominem world that is the culture of playing this game. And I think she's just a dinosaur in the modern age, and she hasn't quite cottoned on to that. And it's going to be a very slow death, which is fun, but the people replacing her are far, far worse. Yeah, I mean, if... Man, I mean, <laughs> rewind five years and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and tell you and I that the people that are now the face of the Democratic Party are worse, more ridiculous, and further to the left than Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> it's like, yikes, guys. You just great job over at the DNC. <laughs> Let's, uh, 
let's talk about some happy news for for a change. How about our our win of the year, our dub of the year? Uh, I, I can go first. My dub of the year is that uh, the Cuomo brothers are both unemployed. And, you know, it's kind of bittersweet because they weren't fired for the right reasons. Like, Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo should have been fired for killing 5,000 old people. Chris Cuomo should have been fired for using his title as a journalist to push DNC propaganda his entire career. And they weren't fired for those reasons. They were fired for assaulting women and helping cover up the said assaults. But still, I mean, like, in our society, in our sick, depraved society, it is... It's very rare that rich and powerful Democrats are held accountable for anything. So it, it's a win. Uh, they were a royal family in Democratic circles, and they went down. So uh, it's great to see. Definitely definitely a dub. Definitely. I, I think the fact he has to give the money back for the book is so funny. Oh, man. The book yeah. that his staff wrote for him. Just glorious. <laughs> my my dub of the year is uh, is different. It's on the Republican side. So it's the Virginia gubernatorial race. I think that showed... Well, I don't know if it will show, but I think it definitely showed those who are listening that you can win an election in a pro-Trump area without Trump. And I think it just demonstrated how we have to win 2022 and 2024, which is focusing on very high level cultural issues that people on both sides of the aisle care about. For example, things like their children and not telling children they're racist inherently. And you can do that without either sucking up to Trump or criticizing Trump. Trump really wasn't part of that election. Um, Youngkin was very good at not alienating Trump voters, but also not sucking up to Trump. And he won. And I think that showed what every single Republican should do going forward. And so that's a huge win in my mind, because you saw the way, especially in the last few weeks of that election, the way the entire left mobilized to try and stop him from winning. They they were worried because they knew exactly what was at stake. And we came out on top. And I think that's very exciting if we do the right thing moving forward, which is learn from it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great one. And, you know, I'm actually going to talk about that race a little later in a different category, but um, it, it was it's fascinating to me about that race is they both both candidates. I mean, like people talked about how Terry McAuliffe was a bad candidate, like both candidates ran on the issues and they were mm-hmm. like honest about <laughs> like people called uh, Terry McAuliffe being honest a gaffe. But I mean, I think they they, they both <laughs> made school choice an issue and they were both honest about the positions of the Republican party and the democratic party. And people just voted on the merits of that argument. Like mm-hmm. it was like in some bizarre way, a throwback to how like elections are supposed to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to pick an issue, both people be honest about your actual position and then let the voters decide. And they did, you know what I mean? Like it was like a, yeah. like a, it was like a free and fair, no nonsense, no gimmick selection for once. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was fascinating. Um, let, let's jump to uh, obviously the flip side of this, the L of the year. Um, for me, it's it, just simply the fact that the COVID regime is still in power. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, like it's we're two years into this thing and Anthony Fauci is still running the country. I mean, Joe Biden talks about it openly. I mean, like these monsters who should legit, and I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic. These these people that should be tried for crimes against humanity are still walking around as free men. I mean, these people are dangerous sociopaths who view the American people as pieces on a chessboard, and half the country still worships them. And hopefully you're right. Um, with your stock down pick of Anthony Fauci, hopefully Americans are waking up. I don't know. We'll see. But it seems like our friends on the left have completely abandoned the idea that as Americans, freedom is our birthright. And they're bowing down to these unimpressive psychopaths who've been running the country for two years. And I don't know what that says about the country. 
I don't know what that says about how effective the Constitution really is, if we're being quite honest. But just the fact that people are still buying into this two years later is just, I mean, I can't think of a bigger L than that. Yeah, I think there's a definite warning sign there that Americans as a as a country have really traded in responsibility for their freedom in return for being told everything is fine by the government and just being coddled and having this false sense of security, which does not exist in, in the world. But no, no person can tell you you are safe from something like a virus. It's just a complete impossibility that people have traded in their freedom for, which is pretty terrifying. Uh, my L of the year is the Afghanistan withdrawal. Yeah. I think that's, it's obviously in, in many ways smaller policy-wise than COVID. I think COVID certainly impacts more Americans. But I think the way Joe Biden took a situation that was stable, people weren't dying, the country was compared to the years previously, pretty much under control. And he handed it over to some of the worst people, if not the worst people in the world who are driven by the worst ideology in the world, which is radical Islam. And he handed it over to them voluntarily. And at every step of the way, he made the wrong decision, even when the Taliban offered more of Kabul to control during the evacuation, he said no. And Americans died because of it. Countless Afghans died and will die because of it. Little girls are being sold into sex slavery to 80-year-old men, all because of Joe Biden. And the media is fawning over what he's doing with his fucking puppy on the beach while Afghans are dying and will die because of Joe Biden. I think it's the most disgusting thing I've seen on a foreign policy front from any politician in my lifetime. I think it's disgusting. And the fact that people have forgotten about it uh, is unforgivable in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. T- I have I have plenty to say about Afghanistan later on, uh, but I mean that's obviously that's obviously true. I mean, I I can't think of another time in the history of modern warfare where a country has pulled out their military assets without evacuating civilians. I mean, like I can't like. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't. I mean, my goodness, like I can't think of another yep. time this has happened. I mean, would. Would it have killed this administration to get the women and children out first? You know, like, I don't know, something simple, like, get the women and children out. You know, it's just, yeah, and there's, there's a, and I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, but yeah, like, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of layers here, too, like, mm-hmm. the press covering up to the American people just forgetting about it in a week. I mean, it's like a lot of L's, a lot of L's going around. Um, let's jump to another uh, cheerier topic, though. Uh, probably the last one we have left. <laughs> but uh, what is your white pill of the year? So this one is is kind of different from everything we've talked about. It's, I think, a general move in the right direction in terms of pro-life stuff. I think right. the legislation in Texas was presented as women dying. You know, women will die if you don't let them kill their unborn babies. And the fact that, firstly, that didn't happen, but it looks like in terms of the judicial branch that we are on the right path and there is a lot of public support says a lot. And it gives me a lot of hope for ending, I think, the last remaining huge wrong in the United States, which is the general attitude towards abortion, that it's a public good, that you can murder the the most innocent people on the planet, which are unborn human beings, and then now be celebrated for it. I'm very hopeful that we are step by step making positive inroads there because I think it's the most honestly the most important issue domestically because human beings are more important than money or anything else. And I think the fact that we still murder hundreds of thousands of babies a year as a society is just revolting. Um, And I think it needs to end as soon as possible. And 
any positive step we can make in that way is going to give me hope. Yeah, I mean, that I, I couldn't make that my white pill of the year just because I have no faith in the Supreme Court. I just <laughs> That's don't. A good point. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, it could be a 7 2 vote to. <laughs> to make just unrestricted abortion the law of the land. You know, I, I don't know, man. I just don't I just don't know how this story is going to end. But obviously, yeah, the, the Texas law is saving lives, saving thousands of lives. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. There definitely has been some progress, though. That is a good one. Um, my white pill of the year uh, is going back to Glenn Youngkin um, and the Virginia gubernatorial race. And it's, it's, it's the fact that Youngkin put government schools on the ballot. Yes. <laughs> you know, he put government schools on the ballot and government schools lost. Right. Like this isn't even the, the fact that Yunkin won. I, I don't really care who the governor of Virginia is. You know, I'm an Ohioan. But like Yunkin made school choice the singular issue in the, the last few weeks, at least, of that campaign. And it turns out even people in blue states still care about their kids. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. People in blue states still love their children. They still hate government schools. Uh, and that's a huge white bill, man. You know, I mean, you see just if you think about how much control. These teacher unions and these corrupt school boards have over children, man. Um, yeah, th- this was a big white pill, and I hope you know uh, the school you know calls for for uh, for you know increased funding for charter schools or school vouchers, stuff like that, and the, the homeschooling boom we've seen in the last couple of years. I hope that spreads nationwide because um, crushing government schools, crushing the Department of Education is. It's going to be one of the biggest fights ever in the history of this country. I mean, it's it's the 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 difference between life and death of a republic in my mind. So the fact that that Yunkin was able to articulate his position effectively and people, including a lot of Democrats, went along with it was it was a huge white pill. Oh, absolutely, and it kind of plays into what I said earlier of just Yunkin showing how to win moving forward, which is don't make it about you, make it about how shitty the other side is. Because Donald Trump is incapable of making anything about not about him. And so the 2020 election was about Trump. It wasn't about Biden's incompetence or any of the other people on the left. And Youngkin came in. He didn't really talk about himself. It was just pointing at the other side and all the batshit crazy things they do and forcing the, the other side to stand by it, forcing them to defend things like CRT in schools. So we should be forcing them to defend their choice to leave Afghanistan in the way they did. Force them to defend the fact the economy is going down the toilet. It's impossible to win an election if you are standing on a pile of your own failure. And so I think that's a huge white pill. You're absolutely right in just terms of this is how we win. And if we don't win on the back of this, we have serious problems. Yeah. And I think you're going to see more Republicans doing this, which is great. But like, I mean, school choice. I mean, look at the polling data behind school choice. It's like Mm -hmm. 90 percent of black Americans support school choice, you know, 85% of Hispanic Americans. I mean, like, it's a winning issue in every demographic. You know, people deserve to to, to send their, to get their kids out of failed government schools, as the former president said, you know, and, and every Republican should be running on this. What is, in your opinion, the worst scandal of 2021? So you touched on it. Uh, I think it's the general umbrella Cuomo scandal. So first off with Andrew Cuomo, it's the fact that, A, he pushed old people with COVID into nursing homes and killed thousands of old people in New York who didn't need to die. It's the fact that he leveraged his influence to cover it up. The fact that he then sold a book about it and made millions of dollars. And the fact that then the New York, <laughs> New York State 
decided they didn't like him anymore because Biden was in office and then tried to use the wrong scandal to get him out of office. And Letitia James, the governor of the state, shamelessly used that to try and get him out of the way because she clearly wants to run for office at some point. Right. And then you've got Chris Cuomo, who is the other side of this Tweedledum, Tweedledee nonsense, who was using his position at CNN, which he only had because of his dad, to then push his brother, the two grinning meatballs, comparing their nostril sizes, covering up deaths, covering up the sexual harassment. I think it's just, yes, it's great that they came down, but they came down, as you said, for the wrong thing. But the fact is that everyone knows about it. And it's it is good that at least people go down. Like we complain that people didn't go down for the right reason, but at least they're gone now. And hopefully there are other people like this, like the Don Lemons, the Anderson Coopers of the world who are hopefully having to grow eyes in the back of their head because yes, they might be replaced for worse people, but at least they're being replaced. And I think hopefully we can have some, some return to some semblance, uh, semblance of morality in that world. Uh, I, I'm not very optimistic in that front, but, Scandal of the year has to be the Cuomo's in my mind, if not Afghanistan. Yeah, and I went with Afghanistan um, for all the same reasons you mentioned earlier. I mean, the president of the United States pulls the military out of Afghanistan before evacuating any civilians. Um, could have could have uh, evacuated people out of Bagram Air Base. He, he decided for some reason to leave there um, because he has <laughs> to Alzheimer's. leave your most powerful air base in the region before you evacuate. It's just... yep. Yep. Unbelievable. Yeah, because he has Alzheimer's and he can't think anymore. Um, And so he'd have to run the evacuation out of Kabul uh, airport and under the, you know, the Taliban's deadline for one reason or another. He gets 13 soldiers killed Um, and then to look for his to look tough for his friends in the corporate press. He drone bombs uh, 10 innocent people, including seven children. I mean, there's still right now uh, hundreds of American citizens, thousands of American green card holders and either thousands or tens of thousands of allied Afghans who are being held hostage by terrorists in a war zone. I mean, I guess we can take a pick as to <laughs> yep. which is the worst part of this, the dead Americans, the dead children, the hostages, the fact that the press covered it up, the fact that the American people don't care. I mean, it's a nightmare. We should have been out of Afghanistan, I mean, 10 years ago. We, at the very least, the day Osama bin Laden died in 2012. But he, he managed to end the war in Afghanistan in the worst, most bloody, insane way possible. I mean, like, I, I just mm-hmm. don't... I, I mean, you think about if anybody, right-winger, left-winger, were president of the United States, anyone would have handled Afghanistan better. And I mean Bernie Sanders. I mean, who, I mean whoever. Anybody. <laughs> I mean, this was... This was yeah. I mean, the the... the the death toll alone, the images of, of of people hanging onto airplanes and falling to their deaths trying to get out of there. It's like every part of this nightmare is a scandal. We could spend the next month on this podcast talking about Afghanistan. Yep. But, I mean, and, and what a scandal that the press just covered it up and, oh, and tried to explain it away. I mean, like, these people have no shame. These people are absolute degenerates. And um, just what a what a shame. I mean, just, I mean, my goodness, man. I mean, the, the Pentagon comes out, ah, yeah, we probably shouldn't have drone bombed those kids, but no, we're not going to do anything about it. It's yeah, like it just, it's every, just... every layer of this just compounds the fact that, that this administration, it's what a wicked administration we have running the country, man. Absolutely well, shameful. One last thing I want to say on this before we get on to the next segment. Even Jen Psaki mocking 
the concern over Afghanistan, like the sneering attitude she has towards it. Do you remember that one thing she said where someone asked how many Americans are stuck in Afghanistan? She said, oh, we don't track Americans abroad. That would be quite a Fox News story if we did. Ha ha ha. You withdrew from a country. It's not like we're talking about how many Americans are in France right now. How many Americans are in a country that you abandoned overnight? You have a responsibility to your citizens at home and abroad. And if you're going to make a foreign policy decision that puts them at risk, they are your responsibility. So it is your responsibility to know exactly how many people are to the individual person are there. And the fact that she doesn't know, Biden doesn't know, and they clearly don't care. And all the media in there are just clapping until they get given a cookie by her, literally a cookie. She hands out cookies every now and again. It makes me sick. I mean, like if a government, I'm almost to the point you know this about me, Ian, that I don't think governments are very legitimate to begin with. I mean, I'm going for further and further towards anarchy every day. <laughs> by the second. By the second. By the second. But I mean, look, if a government isn't responsible to to protect their citizens abroad, what the heck else is a go? I mean, like I, that's like. I'd say anybody short of hardcore anarchists would say that is a responsibility of any legitimate government. If they can't even do that or refuse to yeah. even do that, I mean, how is the United States federal government even legitimate at this point? If they if they I refuse mean, to protect their own citizens in a war zone, their own citizens. I mean, not even like not even to mention everyone else. Not to mention the murdering children with a predator drone. My good. I mean, these people should be hung for war crimes, Biden included. But I mean, even aside all that, it's like even forgetting the green card holders, even forgetting our allies who's helped us in this ridiculous war the last 20 years. It's like if you can't even if you don't even feel the need to protect your own citizens in Afghanistan. And how is this government? How is this legit? I mean, how is this regime even legitimate at this point? Yeah, there's there's no good. Re- there's no good answer to that because there isn't one. There's been a lot of cringy moments. Oh, yeah, there have. I mean, this year, um, singing nurses, lots of singing nurses. I mean, singing nurses has really been a, a theme, unfortunately, the last couple of years. But uh, they got a lot of free time for someone who is <laughs> grappling in a pandemic. They do. Yeah, they all have a lot of free They were either fired for not getting vaccinated or they're getting paid by the White House to sing on TV. So it, nurses really have a lot of free time on either side of the aisle. But. I'll go, with my cringe of the year, I, I just got to go. I got to go big picture here. And it's just men wearing masks. Men that the traditional definition of a man, you know, having a penis, people with penises for all of our listeners that, that think there's, you know, 55 genders or whatever. Grown men wearing that. Like it's I, I like children And this. I'm not trying to be sexist. I promise. I'm, I love women. Big fan of women. Women scare easier than men, you know. Children scare easier than women, you know. That's just kind of like the, the the scale of how easy it is to scare a person. Like it's easy to scare kids, easier to scare women than men. So it's like you almost have to give women and children a pass with the mask stuff. But it's like guys, grown men with like talking dudes with with genita- male genitalia and a set of adult male shoulders. If you are still putting a piece of cloth on your nose because it gives Anthony Fauci and Joe Biden erections. I, I don't know what to do for you anymore. Like, dude, come on. Take, really? Like, how many people, like, and just be honest with yourself, how many people, at, like, were allowed the corporate press and Anthony Fauci and Joe Biden to convince them that putting a cloth mask over their face would keep them healthy? Like, did anybody actually believe this from the beginning? <laughs> like, And then, a side note, side note on the mask stuff. Omicron which I probably have right now, by the way. Got, got a little bit of this. I'm not going to test for it because who cares? 
but Omicron, which is basically a mild cold, is 70 times more transmissible than the Delta variant, and the Delta variant was 40 times as, as transmissible as the original variant. And the masks, now we now know, the masks didn't work on the original variant. So what what, what makes you think that it would work on Delta or Omicron? It's like, take the stupid masks off. You look like an idiot. You're a grown... And I'm specifically talking to the dudes in the audience. Come on, man. Come on, come on, bro. Well, like if A lot it, of this just like, shows that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. A lot of this just shows how paganism never went away. Because I was very pro-mask early on when we had no information whatsoever about COVID. But you should change your behavior based on the information you have. Yes. And we have almost two years of information, which includes the fact that masks, unless they're those very well-fitted um, KN95 masks, are basically a waste of time. But people are still sacrificing goat, <laughs> goats to the sun god for good weather by wearing a cloth mask and staying six feet apart, which authorities have also admitted that was just completely arbitrary. And so I think it's not necessarily just the fact that people are wearing masks, it's that they are wearing masks despite the evidence that says that it's a waste of time. And you have, if you are a responsible adult, whether you're male or female, if you're a responsible adult, you need to be living your life based on available information and adjusting your behavior based on that information. The fact that people do not make that decision that you're a child at that point. You are not a responsible adult. If you can look at the fact that cloth masks are a waste of time. And yet every day, even if you're on your own on the beach with your dog, you're strapping one on your face. It's you're not an adult anymore. No, you're not. You're absolutely right. But like, I, I am being very specific with my criticism here too. Like I'm, I, but the, the cringe of the year for me is specifically when I see a grown man wearing a mask, I'm not even attacking you ladies, not even attacking the children. I'm talking to my fellow grown men. You got to stop. You just got to stop, man. You got to stop. It's got to stop. Ending the year on some transgender bigotry. I like it. <laughs> I mean, like, dude, if you like, <laughs> if you wear boots and throw on a Carhartt every morning and then slap a mask on, it's like, I just don't like how, like, how do these things like stop? It's like, it, it makes my brain hurt. Like, it's like, it makes me uncomfortable to watch. You got to stop. What's your cringe? Wrangler oh, are going to come out with a denim mask. It's incredibly <laughs> thick and you can't breathe, but it looks great. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. <laughs> what is what is your cringe of the year, Ian? This was actually my hardest one. So I have I have two quick runners up, which I'd like to share. Uh, the first is that uh, Stephen Colbert vaccine dance where he had actual real life human beings dressed as syringes doing the tequila dance, but with vaccines thrown in. Uh, that was possibly the most painful three minutes of my life. The Kamala Harris video was the the second place where she they had actor children bust oh, in yeah. for her to pretend how maternal she was. I mean, <laughs> Kamala Harris and so Hillary Clinton are running gun battle for who's the most <laughs> terrifying woman around anyone vulnerable. But I think cringe of the year for me has to be Colin Kaepernick claiming that the NFL draft, which hands people millions of dollars to either chase a ball around or chase human beings around and tackle them while wearing funny outfits is the same as the slave trade. The fact <laughs> that Netflix tried to convince us that <laughs> that drafting black men into the NFL and paying them millions of dollars to run around for a living is the same as treating them like animals, I think was <laughs> possibly the most hilarious and insanely ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's so cringy. Uh, I it should have been listed as a comedy. That's the only way it should have been on Netflix. That's a good one. I totally forgot about that. I mean, the funniest thing about that is just like 
by definition in every in every way imaginable. The NFL draft is the opposite of the of the slave trade. <laughs> it's like one, it's voluntary. Two, it's like this exclusive club that every young athlete wants is try like these guys work they work out three times a day every day from the time they're five years old to try to get to that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's it just in every way it's the exact and the money involved. And just, it, it's just the exact opposite in every discernible way from the, from the slave trade. Oh, that was a good one. I told <laughs> man, it's like he pops up every now and again. And it's like, man, I, I keep forgetting he's around. Yeah. I, like, I think that's why he pops up. Cause he's just, He's one of these people that has a different, desperate need for attention, and he's discovered a way of, of making money. It's like these people who transition from one industry to another after failing in one. You know, he failed in sports because he's distinctly average. You know, I don't think he's terrible, like a lot of people say, but he's certainly not an elite-level quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But he's discovered a new way to make a ton of money. It'd be one, I would almost respect him if he was doing this and not making hundreds of millions of dollars, because at least you're, you're sacrificing something. But for someone to make millions of dollars while being an activist. And I'm not sure I'm going to take your activism all that seriously when you're driving a very expensive car, going back to a very expensive house and comparing your life to the slave trade. It's like, well, read a book on slavery and I'm pretty sure you'll find a few differences. QB ratings, for example, weren't a thing. <laughs> the thing is, Kaepernick hasn't played in the NFL since Obama was president. <laughs> it's the 2016 season. I mean, uh, coincidence? I think not. <laughs> I think not. It's <laughs> racism. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So uh, the last category uh, is our Man of the Year Award or Person of the Year Award. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, yeah, you can definitely give a runner. I, I have a runner-up, too. Um, but you go first, Ian. Who is your okay. who's, who's your runner-up, if you, if you have one? Uh, for yes, I have a runner-up, and it's the combined human being that is the Biden-Harris administration. I think— <laughs> I have never seen two people more inept than those two. The fact that Biden oversaw the collapse of every single important part of the American society and that Kamala Harris wasn't able to suck her way out of any problems anymore and is basically flying around the country avoiding problems. Like she's put in charge of the border crisis and she flies to Chicago to go to a patient show. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. So you're (laughs) you're going with runner up for man of the year. People you can't stand, but you're just impressed with how awful they are. Yes, it's impressive. That's a great way to answer the question. I just didn't see it coming. <laughs> so they're my runner-up. And then my person of the year is actually Joe Rogan. So Joe Rogan is someone who I don't agree Dude, with politically. I I, ah, man, mine's Joe Rogan you. too. <laughs> All right. No, you well, go I, have a, yeah. I think we, we might not overlap, but... The reason I think that is that he has a very, very powerful platform and he's one of the few people who is just called bullshit. And I think we need more of that. We need people in powerful positions to call bullshit, to say, you know, I can afford people medicine, motherfucker. It's just (laughs) that kind of moment for me. I think you are earning the position that you have already earned by showing respect to the power you have. You know, I don't agree with half the things he says. I think a lot of the people he has on, I disagree with that. He probably disagrees with, too. Um, I'm sure we don't agree politically, but I think it's just being the person in the room who has fuck you money and is willing to say the truth. I think we need more of that. And Elon Musk, I think, falls into that same category. Someone who has 
a lot of influence, a lot of power, and is using that to obviously enrich themselves too, but just push the truth because the truth is dying right now. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I'll get to Joe Rogan in a second, kind of for different reasons, but it's kind of, eh, kind of, kind of it's similar. It's I, I'm actually surprised we picked the same guy for Man of the Year though. That's a uh, that <laughs> is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. But um, my runner up uh, is Joe Manchin, the, uh, mm-hmm. the senator from West Virginia. Uh, you know, he may be a lib, but at least he's not clinically insane like like the rest of the libs. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, here's the thing. There's a lot of reasons why I couldn't make him my man of the year. One, because I'm not going to be one of those cringe Republicans that, like, just spikes the football after we stop the Democrats from doing the last 15% of the evil stuff they want to (laughs) do. You know what I mean? It's like... Uh, I, I I hate that. You know, I actually hate I hate the uh, the William F. Buckley, you know, standing athwart history, yelling stop kind of yes. conservative. It's like, OK, so you're just you're just saying you're content to just lose forever and stop some of the evil stuff coming your way. Mm-hmm. That's weird. But, you know, hey, look, you know, it took balls for old Joe Manchin. Um, he actually stood up to his party. Very rare. I mean, Re- Republicans go against their party all the time. It's extraordinarily rare for a Democrat. So um, yes. good on him. Inflation's about to wreck the economy anyway. But make no mistake, it would be much, much worse if uh, if uh, Joe Manchin backed down. Uh, but, yeah, my man of the year, Joe Rogan. Um, you know, if if you're on the right, which most of you are, whether you're a conservative or a libertarian, we haven't had a lot of victories this year, at least major ones. But the corporate press has been embarrassed over and over this year. <laughs> I, we have noticed the, you know, the, the continuing decline of corporate media, and mm-hmm. uh, that's huge. I mean, cable news ratings are at all-time lows, um, and, and Joe Rogan really has led the way in the rise of alternative media. Um, Democrats in the press have they've tried to take this guy down repeatedly, repeatedly. I mean, they they really hate this guy, and they just can't touch him. He's you know he's kind of too big to cancel. Um, you know, the left cheered when he got COVID. They cried when he didn't die of COVID. You know, and he gets he gets legitimately over ten times the viewership as the top rated primetime CNN show. I mean, yeah. he, he he does massive numbers. People are moving on from corporate media, um, and that would not be happening without Joe Rogan. We wouldn't be talking on this podcast if it wasn't for Joe Rogan. I mean, he literally—he wasn't the first famous podcaster, but he made podcasting relevant uh, in the national sense. He made—he um, made it possible to to monetize your podcast. I mean, nobody was making serious money from podcasting before uh, Joe Rogan. I mean, who knows? If, any, any, we're anywhere close to where we are, even with your your employers at Daily Wire. I mean, the world looks a lot different <laughs> without Joe yes. Rogan and what he's done um, in the last several years. So, yeah, got to make him my my man of the year. And it's he's done more to damage the corporate press than anyone else. And I hate the corporate press. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. my goal on the show is to destroy the corporate press, and nobody's done more damage to legacy media, to corporate media than Joe Rogan this year. That's why he is my 2021 man of the year. I think that's an awesome choice. I also think it's it's important to note that he, no one has done more damage, but that's not been his primary goal. No. Like he isn't going out every day of how do I destroy the press? He's just putting out an alternative product that is infinitely better in almost every way. And that's how you beat these people. It's just by putting out something better and people will choose the better product rather than just kind of sitting there and complaining about the the press like some people do. Um, people like Joe Rogan and on a much smaller scale, people like you and I, 
put out something different. And I think he's showing that it can, as you said, can be successful. And I think hopefully the more people take his lead, the more more better ideas are out there. The corporate press are going to find themselves with a rapidly shrinking world to speak to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And like he's the only guy in media that I can think of with no agenda at all. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, nothing is more irritating to Democrats than a man without an agenda. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like they get more triggered by him and he has no agenda. It's like I don't yes. even think right wingers trigger the left as much as Joe Rogan. And he's like a lefty on like most most like everything except for guns. You know, you know what I mean? So it's like it's really bizarre. So, Ian, before I let you go, and this is just off the top of my head, we weren't going to do this. But if you can't think of anything, that's fine. We don't have to. But what about each of us makes a wild prediction for next year? And then we can come back in a year and see how wrong we are. Oh, a wild prediction. I think we are going to I really to put see... you on the spot because I haven't thought of one yet. Yeah, you so. did. That's, that's awful. <laughs> Sorry, I think we're going to see some kind of military conflict that is going to be a disaster. I think it's either going to be in Ukraine with Russia or it's going to be in China with Taiwan, Hong Kong or some combination. I think we are on the edge of something truly terrifying that Biden is simply not equipped for. And we're about to see something like the collapse of NATO because if Russia invade Ukraine, NATO isn't going to do shit. And we are on the edge of a new uh, a new world in that in that scenario. So that's kind of my I don't think it's necessarily going to happen, but I could see that happening. So that's kind of my crazy prediction that we'll hopefully be alive to talk about in a year's time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely much, much more likely that there's a conflict between Russia and Ukraine than uh, China and Taiwan. I, I just think I think that China is doing so well in terms of exporting their ideology and their economy globally mm-hmm. um, that why would they mess it up? You know, why would they mess it up with uh, some kind of conflict? But uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, that's uh, that's not too wild of a prediction. And this is just off the top of my head. My my wild prediction is that by the end of the year, we will have a Speaker of the House not named Nancy Pelosi or Kevin McCarthy. Oh, that sounds good to me. I, I think one and a couple of things have to happen. Obviously, one, the Republicans need to take back the House, which I think will happen. And then I think there should be enough fresh blood in the GOP and enough people kind of looking at the whole moderate failed Paul Ryan ism of House Republicans is just not going to work. I think, I mean, it might not be, it's not going to be some like, you know, Thomas Massey guy, unfortunately, but I mean, even if it's somebody like Steve Scalise, somebody like that, just somebody with a little bit more balls, somebody who's mm-hmm. with a little bit more conviction, you know, I think there'll be the, the, the next speaker of the house will not be named Nancy Pelosi or Kevin McCarthy. Could be wrong. I think we just we need some more prominent conservatives who speak um, more clearly and more intelligently on issues. I think we have quite a lot of them in the Senate on various issues, but the House is where that's really missing. Like I think a lot of people could name more prominent Democrats in the House than they could Republicans. So I think fixing that is also an important part of this equation, where we we have a presence in the House in the same way we do in the Senate. I think that's a big part to all of this too. And it doesn't take much, man. It doesn't take much to uh, to turn the tide in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw like I know the the Freedom Caucus now is just like a bunch of people just tweeting about how much they love Trump all day every day, which is kind of weird. But like back that when, is a full time job. Yeah, like back when the Freedom Caucus were were all like the libertarians in the House, like it, there wasn't a lot of them. There's only like twenty of them, but they they 
they got a lot of evil stuff and big spending removed from spending bills. I mean, they, they did mm-hmm. accomplish a lot. Like, you don't need, like, a majority of senators or a majority of congressmen to turn the tide. Like, you can have a vocal minority within a party that steers the party in, in a good direction. And you're seeing the flip side of that with the squad on the left. I mean, this like insane group of five racist anti-Semitic yep. communists have turned the entire party into their image. But you know, we, the good guys can do that too. Um, you can use that power for good, not, not just evil. So, you know, it's not like we need to win every single election with some stand up conservative or libertarian that, you know, recites the constitution over breakfast every morning. Like it's not, that that's not <laughs> necessary. You can get, I mean, look at, I mean, that's why the whole Senate hates Rand Paul, right? <laughs> because one man can get in the way on a lot of these swing votes and yeah. say no. Um, and uh, the same way with his father, Ron Paul, they called him Dr. No for a reason. Cause he got so many bills shut down and it doesn't take much, man. You know, a small rudder can steer a big ship. So yeah, here's to hoping, here's to hoping. And this was a lot of fun, man. And I'm sure uh, this was great. And I'm sure our predictions will be wrong, and, <laughs> and we'll see. But I, I, I liked a lot of your answers, man, and a lot of them caught me off guard, too. So, And we had the same man of the year out of all out of seven and a half billion people on, on God's green earth. Pick the same guy. It's funny. God, look at that. We know where, what we're doing. Where can everybody keep in touch, follow you online, read your stuff, all that good stuff? Yeah, you can find me on all social media, uh, except for – uh, TikTok. I was banned the same day I wrote about Chairman Mao, so huh. don't look too deeply into that one. Huh. All other social media, you can find me I G H O W O R T H. So uh, go follow me on there, and then I write for the Daily Wire. So head over to their YouTube channels and website. You can find all my stuff there, and I'm sure we'll be speaking again soon in the new year, hoping to get my podcast up and running again. So have to have you back on and see how wrong we are so quickly. Will be a good topic, <laughs> I think. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's always great to start off an episode with ignore that last episode. Uh, completely <laughs> <laughs> Everybody follow Ian. He's great. Everybody check out The Daily Wire. Uh, that's all I got for today. Hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. Everybody have a safe and happy New Year's. Please don't drink and drive. Get an Uber. It's like literally $10 for cheapskate. <laughs> uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Uh-huh.